Hey, everybody, welcome to Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Wait, I gotta put on my fake glasses. Okay. That's awesome. All right, so tonight. Gesundheit. <laughs> I wish. Okay, so what we're doing is remakes, and the wheel spun to me, and it was take the taking of the Pelham 123. I wish the taking of the Pelham 123 2009. Had as good a soundtrack as the 1974 version, taking the taking of the Pelham One Two Three. So we're going to review the remake of that film. We're going to do a round of what you watch, and then no, we're going to spin. I, before, I got a slow down. Then we're going to spin the wheel for the next film. I got a question. Yeah, um, Chris isn't here right now, right? And it's the first week that we didn't do the cage match. Uh huh. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting timing. I think maybe uh, that says something. I don't know what it is. How about that? You mean the highly successful cage match? Yeah, yeah. Those seventy people love it. I mean, I I thought what last week's one has like seventy six views. Has it? No, yeah. I mean, I think that was one of the best ones. I I agree. Oh, was it was? I think people. I think people love watching us decide which one gets out of jail, and the last (laughs) one was a good one to end on. Like we always do, we beat the dead horse, which is fine. That's what we do. That's, I don't have you a know. Beating a dead horse on this show, I would call it a trope of this show. That is, is that a euphemism a trope. for subscribing? <laughs> it's not. You what? Hitting the notification yeah. button, hitting the like button. I, I, I'm languages. sorry, Chris is missing this because he's seen all three ver. There are three versions yeah. of this film. There's the three. 74 version. Yes. version. There's the 74. The there's the 1990 television ABC television version starring Vincent D'Onofrio and Donnie Wahlberg. And John in that too. woke in the '90s. They switched out some of the criminals to be women. Yeah. So I know uh, woke has been around a long time. No. Uh, so yes, we're gonna we're gonna talk about tonight is 2009's t- The Taking of the Pelham One Two Three, directed by Tony Scott, starring Denzel Washington and John Travolta. Uh, it is a remake of the 1974 classic The Taking of the Pelham One Two Three, starring uh, Walter Matthau and Robert Shaw. The two headliners, Martin Balsam, and um, I, I said the two headliners. We well, go through the, the cast Jerry in that Stella. film. The, yeah. the cast Jerry in that Stella. film is amazing. Yeah, seventy four. Everything about that film is amazing. Everything about this film is uh, uh, more phonetic, faster cars, terrible soundtrack, uh, over over the top acting. The villain John Travolta is a screaming maniac. Where where Robert Shaw was a very quiet, distinguished criminal who was way more powerful just Actually in general scary yeah and scary i will say this i didn't hate the 2009 version of the taking of pelham one two three uh and the the amount of reverence i had for the first one i was actually excited to see the 19 the 2009 the taking of the pelham one two three but boy oh boy uh as much as i love tony scott and i love denzel washington and i love john travolta this was a hot mess that that i didn't hate I'm going to admit it. I didn't hate it because it also had James Galdafini. Galdafini? Why can't I remember him? James Galdafini. Galdafini as as the mayor. If you remember the mayor in the 74 version, he was kind of a comical take on Ed Koch, the mayor of New York at the time. Well, Ed Koch wasn't the mayor at the time. And in the the 74 version, well, it was, but I know that, but it was supposed to be Ed Koch. And the 74 version, New York City was a huge star of the film. Yeah, uh, the griminess, all the stuff that yeah, related to, the, to New York, and this one is a Tony Scott special, which means cuts don't last longer than two and a half seconds. Uh, there's 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 cars that bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce, and people get out of them, and they're all fine. Michael Bay with more taste. Uh, I, I, you keep it's saying that. I think Michael Bay has a lot of taste, Mike, but um, it definitely had a Michael. Just Bay different. Vibe. Of course, it had a Michael, yeah. but Michael Bay got it from Tony Scott. Tony yeah. Scott's been doing this forever. The other thing that this film has that. Sean and I talk about all the time is backstory that gets in the way of the film. Because if you remember in the first film, Garber, played by Walter Matthau, is just the guy that happened to be at the mic when this thing went down. We don't know anything about Garber's background in that film. We just know that he turns out to be a really smart guy. But we don't know if he's married. We don't know what's going on in his story. And the 2009, of course, Denzel playing Garber. I think he had a different first name. Um, 
has a whole backstory of potentially taking a bribe that figures into this thing. He has a wife he's got to bring milk home to. And, and Sean and I have talked about this before. It just there's no reason for that in a, in a film in a, in a heist film like this. And it kind of, you know, Tony Scott tried to heighten it up a little bit with some internet stuff that goes on in this film, and 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 the fact why John Travolta, I forget what his name was in this, Ryder, right, Ryder, Ryder. yeah, yeah, um, you know, his whole with his whole reason with a Y, his whole reason for for this robbery had to do with getting back at New York City through the stock market, blah 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 blah. Where the other one was just a story. They don't even use the names, the uh, the color names, right. like Mr. Gray, Mr. White, Mr. Blue. They don't even use that in this. We don't even know who the other. The other are. characters are all invisible. The only That's one is Guzman, the Guzman character, the the guy who played the conductor, who ends up, you know, we can spoil this, right? Two thousand nine. It's not yeah. a. It's a who ends it's up getting kind shot of by the spoiled anyway. So. It's all spoiled. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Guzman. Uh, Louis Guzman. Louis. Louis Guzman. Louis Guzman, who gets shot in the head by a sniper because his, his ankle got bit by a rat. Because the ankle, yeah, right. the guy, the rat went up his pants and right. he shot. Um, yeah, I, I watched uh, Mark Commode's Commode's review of this film, and he did a funny thing. It's a very early review from him, and he accentuated how much the camera shakes in this film, how loud John Travolta was. How it just is such an inferior sequel to the first one that he could barely contain himself because he loves he loves the old films for sure. And um, having said all that, you know what? It's a guilty pleasure. Travolta's doing his Travolta thing. Denzel Washington, even though he's got this crappy backstory, is Denzel Washington, and you know he brings a lot of power. Not to mention Gal Daffini as the mayor. You've got um, uh, Totoro comes in as a hostage negotiator. You know, a lot of heavy-duty hitters in this one, and uh, heavy no, hitters. Way better, and, way better New York um, thriller than Phone Booth, so that's good. This was, I think this was actually filmed in New York City. I think. It looked like it some of it was yeah. on the bridges and things like a that. A lot of helicopter shots of the bridges and stuff. So anyway, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge, huge fan. This whole podcast started because of the taking of the Pelham 123. Uh, I think it's one of our first or second or third, third. episodes we've ever did. Episode uh, three. And we had to do it one. twice because the first one didn't record right or oh. something. I forget what happened. So um, I I have such a love for that other film that to even attempt a remake, it'd be like remaking Jaws. I don't think I could go into a Jaws remake and feel, I don't know. It's like, why why mess with a classic? It, it makes no sense to me. The classic, the classic, the first one still holds up to this day. If you watch that film, to this day, it has the same excitement it had when it came out in 1974. And the score by David Shire is just phenomenal. Like, uh, I don't even remember the music in, in this 2009. It was all I'm chaotic. Not, Ralph, I'm confused about this. So, remakes. What, are we supposed to be comparing the two? Are we supposed we're to? We're just talking about a remake. I mean, what? I, 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 I'm looking at both films. I think we're comparing them. It almost. Yeah, okay. All right. I mean, I'm, I don't want to get into. I mean, we, we're essentially talking about them so that compares them. But really, I think you focus on the remake and how it relates. Have you seen to... this before? Yeah. So what? What made you pick it to to talk about? If you don't sound like you're crazy about it compared to the first one, well, so why would I you... wanted to? I mean, why did you pick the ones you wanted to do for a remake? I'm I'm, just, I'm, I'm not be, being accusatory. No, I'm no, just. I'm just at, when, I mean, why? I mean, I just I loved the first one so much. I just wanted to talk about the remake of this one because I was a little excited when I heard they were going to remake it because I loved the first one so much, but. You know, you get a little disappointed. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also occasionally, you know, I know the ones I picked, I think the remakes are all inferior, but occasionally you'll get a remake that's superior. That is certainly not the case with this film. Really. No. Well, know, what's funny is that sometimes they'll, they'll do a remake and you're like, this is, it's so different. Like, why do they do this? Why did they do that? This movie, I feel like it would have been by definition a tighter and shorter and better movie with all the things you're talking about, Ralph, if it had been more faithful uh, to the, um, to the original movie, because it's just got so much extra stuff on it. It's just not, it's not a terrible movie. And if it wasn't a remake, it'd be, you know, one of those Tony Scott action movies that had some big people in it. And it was okay. It isn't, it isn't the best Tony Scott train movie and the best Denzel Washington train movie, which are both obviously unstoppable. unstoppable. I love right. that movie. That's all I could but, think of when I was seeing, watching this, too. Well, but I mean, and the shadow of the taking of Pelham 123, which is, I mean, 
it's one of the greatest thrillers ever. And like you said, holds up more than holds up today. It's fun to introduce people to it as you originally did on the show. And, uh, I could see wanting to say, let's capture that magic again, 40 years later or whatever it is, but then capture the magic. Like I found myself watching this movie and going, they have a, 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 a video feed from the subway. There's no internet down there. Have any of these people well, they put been that to little ant video antenna? Yeah, I mean, which I missed like, when I saw it in the theater. Well, uh, Travolta needed that antenna to do his stock stuff. That was right. his portable, right. whatever the hell, gizmo. That's the MacGuffin right there. I mean, that's the. And whatever. he's watching the news, but he never watches the channel that's playing this feed live the entire time. Well, even I when mean, they this movie. The feed, they laughed about it. The guy found the feed and just closed it. He wasn't freaked out about it. Well, they don't care if any. That was the thing. Right. They don't care if anybody. That's right. Because that wasn't about. It was about getting the gold prices up. That's what it was about. Right. Okay. It'd be like if Die Hard, if somebody caught Hans Gruber on camera an hour in, they right. wouldn't care because he's going to be quote unquote dead at the end of the movie. And that's the other thing. The plan is much more convoluted. In the first one, here's we took a hostages on a subway train. We won a million dollars, and everybody goes, "How do you take hostages on a train?" And then the movie is off. They don't have to explain. Who would want a million dollars? What does that mean that they'll kill people? You know, like it's just all immediately laid out, not not on an expositional way. It's just thrown out immediately, and then you, you your movie is off. And this other movie, it's just I feel like it's constantly explaining stuff and things like that. It was like watching some of the plot lines in The Dark Knight, where it's like, or no, in um, The Dark Knight Rises, right. where like all of a sudden we're at a stock exchange and we're gonna like, I just I didn't care about any of that stuff. Like I, I wanted to watch Bane destroy the city, but I didn't care about what he was doing to the financial system. And this movie felt like it had extra stuff that I didn't need. But the time you get to the end where it's two men facing off outside on a bridge, you're like, okay, well now I know what can happen. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose that kind of thing. And but again, the movie didn't and have someone's going to bring a gallon of milk home. Right. I mean, it's just, it's too much. And it's way too it, over the top. I mean, it's that's hard thing. to compete with the original period. Uh, that's so. what I mean. And I, and to even, Talk about these two. It makes no sense. I get it. I get it. But I mean, you know, they make these movies for a reason. They're they're made by people who know what they're doing. Tony uh, Scott and Todd, and it was a it hit. It did well, right? Yeah, yeah. I think but if you watch the 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 nineteen nineties ABC version, I think that was more faithful to the book than even either of these two films were. And it's sort of an interesting take on it. And um, it's a I fun one to watch with the context of these two. Was D'Onofrio the bad guy? Yeah. And Wahlberg was the he was one of the bad out. guys. He he played oh, the um um what's the, what's the actor's yeah. name that was Hector in? Alonso. He played. I watched a great interview with him yeah. on YouTube talking about the making of this film, right? And and how just how happy he was to be on the set and all the great stories about him being on the set. It's pretty good. But yeah, Donnie Wahlberg I think was that part in the other one. And um, I'm trying to think who the guy is that that was the sneeze. You know, I'm going to die today. Oh, it was Richard Schiff. You know the guy from West Wing. Oh, yeah. oh right, yeah. I'm going to die was the today. Half out part. Um, oh, um, <laughs> it was uh, Edward James Olmos and oh, really? uh, and Lorraine Bracco. Somehow they're connected. They were like old partners or something. Yeah, it's an interesting take. Uh, but the the 2009 again, it's just Tony Scott outdoing Tony Scott. You know, like even that car chase in the original where they have to get the money from the bank to the to the subway. That that car gets in a crash that looks pretty realistic and pretty yeah, it's like a real crash a real crash where this one you know he just Flips spun that seven car. times falls off a bridge unbelievable four more but that's what you go to tony scott movies for right i mean that's the whole point um i wanted to see so. a tense thriller about people getting hostages on a train i mean it is it is tense it's just you're comparing it to a classic like like drew said if that one the other one didn't exist this would be a perfectly passable action thriller by Tony Scott. It, you know, I got to say, if the other one didn't exist. Well, of course. Now, to me, I just, what kills, a lot of things kill the sequel. I mean, first off, I want to say I love the original film. Yeah. Right now, I'm writing a blog about the 10 best train films ever. And I got to admit, it was tough to put this one first or second, the original film. What's it, what's it with battling with? Train is number one. Which one? Spoilers. Runaway, runaway train, train? Mm. because it's more has more trainness in it well unstoppable you know? is all train yeah that's also on the list yeah. but um you know the backstory is just, is just ridiculous it's so unnecessary and it weighs you down 
And there's so many things, you know, having written movies, the things you do for the stars, like having this final showdown between um, Travolta and Denzel. And you're like, you know, it's like, well, they're the stars, the action stars. It's an action movie. You gotta have this happen. But compare that to the classic ending of um, the original, where it's Martin Balsam. And then, you know, you know, it's a total bullshit police interview with um, Walter Matthau, which is very, the interview is very consistent with his character. You know, he's, you know, he's consistent throughout. He's not. Well, an and the greatest hero. end cut in film history. That cut. Yeah. And it's like Martin Boston's been sneezing the whole film and he's like leaving. You think he's making and then he sneezes and he opens the door and he sticks his head in. Right. And you hear that classic you theme again. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, that is like one of the great endings of any film. You know, having these guys shoot it out. You better kill me. I got my gun. I'm going to shoot you. One of us is going to die. But to me, I just never bought the Travolta character for one second. You know, he's like a Wall Street banker. He's speaking like he's from the streets. And, you know, okay, he's been in jail. He picked up some dialect. But also, he's got this big tattoo on his neck. It's sort of like, I don't buy that this guy is going to go to jail He's a guy that would fly to Iceland with ass models, you know, and then he's going to put this big tattoo on his neck, prison tattoo on his neck. I don't believe that for a half a second. And he is nowhere near as scary as Robert Shaw. It's sort of like the harder he tries, the less effective he is in my mind. But once again, I'm comparing him to Robert Shaw. Yeah, you can't. You know, had I not seen the other film. I may not be doing that. Well, and he's just doing Travolta too. But I mean, even he's... but even the fact that he's a Wall Street guy and he's got he's talking the way he is, he's got the tattoo on his neck. Even that inherent that doesn't that doesn't gel for me. You know, but once again, you know, I would be more accepting of it if it wasn't for, you know, Robert Shaw. And I think Denzel Washington does a great job, you know, with what he's given. You know, he's not as funny as I mean Walter Matthau. You know, he's got an odd niche in the movie business. He's essentially a character actor who gets leads. And he has played in action films. I think there was the one where he's the bank robber. You Charlie know, so he Varick? Has, yeah. Yeah, Charlie Varick. And also, I mean, he's played those roles. But he's essentially a comic actor, you know, in, in throughout most well, of his Well, but career. the humor in the in the first one is just off the charts. Yeah, and not not waka waka humor, just humor. Like this, yeah. this it's the like scene with the New Japanese Yorkers. tourists and 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 and. Well, and like when you he meets the one guy, it's like I, you're a different guy. Ben Stiller's I, I dad. I mean, it's like uh, uh, you're taller or something. You know, it's yeah. like, you know and it's just um, well, they they you know you see they called that out in uh, this one. Yeah, when he met Denzel, he goes, "I thought you'd be taller." You know, he yeah. kind of played that. That that's an old joke. Too. Yeah, and I did. I could not. I had seen the. Um, the TV movie version before. I couldn't watch it now because it's on Roku and I don't The only place it was playing is on Roku. But they did have like the first uh, eight minutes on... Um, on YouTube. On YouTube, which I did watch and I didn't like it. You know, I just thought it was like way too cutty and jumping around with the Well, camera. it's the 90s, man. I mean, it's that sensibility. I didn't, it had the Stuart Copeland score. I didn't like right. it. It's hard to compare anything to that David Shire score. No, kids, that's what I mean. I know. But, John, I know it's confusing because it is... It, it's it's hard to compare the two. There's no comparison. Between yeah, but those. also it's like what I didn't like about it, it was just too cutty. And it's sort of like you go to someone looking and then they go to a, like a POV shot, but it would be from like this angle. And it's sort of like, wait a minute, what what's looking at them? The guy's belly button's looking at You know, it's like the, to me, the editing didn't work. The cuts didn't work. You're talking about the TV show now. I'm talking about the TV show, the uh, TV movie. That's on Roku? Yeah, it's on Roku. Oh, if you got Roku, check, it's I'm gonna check that out. Apparently right free on Roku. There's but, a. I'm uh, telling you, watch Mark Kermode's Kermode's uh, uh, review of this film. It's just great. I mean, he really, he really nails it. So, so John, I mean, what did, did you have? You seen? You've seen both, right? Well, no. no Which one I had, hadn't? I hadn't seen the first one. Oh, wow. wow. So when I saw this movie, I knew a little bit about the other one, but I hadn't seen it. So my take's going to be different than you guys from my first viewing of it. Um, you know, I found it a little too frenetic, but again, that's Tony Scott, like you said, but it was, it was a little distracting to me, but 
I I thought Travolta, even though he was over the top, I thought he was pretty scary. Now, not having seen the first one, I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I thought he was scary. And when he was threatening people with the gun to their head, I found that tense. Uh, I thought the tension of the movie was good. What, you know, I mean, the, the whole gold thing was, to me, kind of stupid. That's just to show how smart this guy was. And the fact that they were able to figure things out so easily about his identity. and all that, I didn't buy that for a second. Yeah, but I, actually, I want to bring up that up, too. I actually liked the dynamic between Denzel. Denzel Washington just happened to answer it. He happened to be there. And then they're going after him for the bribe he took, so they think he might be an. It was Torturo. I've never seen him play such a normal character in a movie as this one, <laughs> and I thought he was great. So I I didn't mind the movie because I did not compare it to the first one. So I actually liked it. I thought the ending was ridiculous, and we went after him with the gun and followed him out to the bridge. It just seemed out of character for that person. He's a civil servant. Yeah, yeah, and he made he made that really clear. I mean, he did the big thing by delivering the money. Chasing him down was something that I didn't buy for a second. He ran but down I, the street. I mean, yeah, I actually like. I like the movie. I, I, I actually, and I, even though Travolta plays bad guys and he's real over the top in this one, it worked better than the other ones. Okay, now having said that, after it was over, I said I have to watch the first one. So I watched it right after I watched this one. So now having seen both of them, a couple things struck me. I thought Robert Shaw, the way he played that, I don't know if I would say it was much scarier, but it was a different kind of scary the way he played it. And I really, really liked it. I thought the death scenes in the remake had far more gravitas than the death scenes in the first one. Because... There was a lot more. I was I was absolutely shocked by how much humor there was in that first one. Even after people got shot, there was still a lot of humor. Maybe that's Mathau, Jerry Stiller. It, it's all that back and forth. So I was a little surprised by that. The simplicity of the story was much better than the remake, the convoluted remake. Okay. And you guys talk about backstory. You don't put Denzel Washington as a lead. Don't give him backstory. So I don't really care about that. It why? 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 Why do you because need? Because it's because Den- Denzel Washington won't do it. So that's why you do that. Wow. So that I get. But I think the the mysteriousness, even the the disguises that they used, uh, were just little things about the first one that I really did like. But I was I was surprised by the humor of the first one. I was not expecting that. And Matthau is great. Um, um, but uh, I mean, the first one is a better film, I think. But but again, not having seen the first one before I watched the remake, I think I enjoyed the remake more because I hadn't seen the first one, which is just right along what you guys are saying. If the first one didn't exist, you'd look at it differently, right? Well, I looked at it differently because I never saw the original. So, and I thought, I think Sean's absolutely right. I think that ending, they still, the hero and the villain still confront each other, but this time... The, the villain takes himself out, which is they did it in the second one, too. But it was just a, an action scene. Um, so that I really like, too. So uh, it was it it's was funny. I, I found Sorry, the I've taken all the bribes I can this month. Right. Yeah. I, I found the deaths in the first one to be very powerful. I mean, the 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 deaths in the second one were just over the top. You know, seventeen bullets to a chest. There was hardly any reaction. To it. There was not, but the that that guy. the poor conductor in the first yeah, one. The, who, yeah. the, the the first one was the only one that they knew. But the cop, I mean, the cop who got well, shot. He, that became a big plot I just, point. I just, I, mean, I know, I I I just, I, just I completely you, I, completely disagree with that. But that's fine. I mean, um, I don't know. I I I felt like that that other one was just as actually way more powerful. Well, also too in the in the first film, the misogyny and sexism and racism of all the characters is like a it's nineteen seventy four. No, but I mean, but they were playing it. You know, they were leaning right. into it. Yeah, you know? but they're, um, you know, I did like the death scene better in this. You know, in in the it, remake, it, yeah, the remake that he electrocuted himself, which to me is like would be a much more painful death than no, um. You, he means the original. Know, the original, yeah, the original. It's like, oh yeah, you no longer have the death penalty in this state. That's right. correct. 
And then he like, you know, he electrocutes himself, you know, it's like, you know, to me, that's much more powerful, but that end with Martin Balsam and you kind of almost root for the guy. Cause he's like the loser. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm going to die. He runs away with the money. And he and, didn't shoot anybody. Right. If I remember, yeah. right, he didn't shoot anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he had a grievance. And his right, tiny know? little apartment, right? Yeah. And that tiny yeah. little thing. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was very realistic. That, I mean, that that's what I mean. I The backstory thing just frustrates me. I, I just don't think you need it when you drop in on a film. And, and you know, it's just he's there at the mic. That's it. Why do we but need you all know what? One thing, talk about Denzel Washington needing the backstory. James Gandolfini identifying who to who to. Well, you made a big point is. of that the last time we talked yeah. about this. When you have a, they got a big actor big to play star. that role, big star. so he had to have a big moment, right? You know, I think you know. Other than that, I thought he was generally pretty good. I thought he did a great performance in yeah. that movie. Now, Drew, had you seen both? Yes, uh, I saw the original one. Um, I mean, I've seen it a whole bunch of times, uh, and then I saw the new one in the theater, and I would say my experience with it was i had um measured interest i mean tony scott's made some movies i liked i like the the people that are in the movie it's the framework of the story is a great thriller and yeah it's a different new york but it's still you know about a gritty city story and city services and the subway and real people and all that kind of stuff and i remember thinking well this just isn't very good it's not horrible but it isn't very good. And again, it's hard. I, I, I think John's experience, your experience with that, um, watching it out of order one after the other is really interesting because if I even think about the remake, I'd go, yeah, it was okay. There's a lot worse remakes out there. But uh, the, the original one is just one of my favorite movies, never mind thrillers. And I mean, yeah, that soundtrack alone is fantastic. I don't know who composed the soundtrack for uh, Pelham, and I don't remember what it sounds like, but you know, Sean humming it at the beginning of the show was like, yeah, you should. It's great stuff. So I think the remake was fine, but you know, I mean, it's one of those movies to me, if you're going to do it, you have a shot of making it good. It's not like if somebody says, Oh, let's remake Casablanca. I'll be like, well, that seems like a bad idea, but there are also movies that you can keep remaking the story because it's the same story, even though it's not really the same characters like Rio Bravo, Assault on Precinct 13, Assault on Precinct, Thir- Precinct 13, the remake. Those are all good movies that are all basically siege you know, with the sheriff too. against the outlaws, all that kind of, those are great movies, but they're not, I mean, the Precinct 13 ones are, are straight remakes, but even that it goes its own way in ways that work. And this just went in its own way. The remake went in its own way. It's like, well, we're, a big bloated Hollywood movie with big movie stars. So we have to be longer and we have to be more stuff. And the, the villain has to be more clever. And it's like the whole, the first movie didn't need any of that. So this, that means that the second movie didn't really need any of that. Yeah. Well, I don't disagree. And like I said, uh, this one's a guilty pleasure to me, but the other one is just all time. Drew, did you see the TV movie? No, I never have, but you said it's on Roku. I actually will check it out. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of stuff on Roku because they have stuff with ads, which I really didn't like watching the Weird Al Yankovic movie with um, Daniel Radcliffe that way. But I will check it out because I'm curious, and I suspect I won't last that long with it either. But uh, I didn't know it existed until this week, so it's interesting. I've told you guys this before, but I love to get, when I take my train to work, my subway train, and I have this, I have the theme song on my phone. <laughs> and I'll get on a crowded subway and just blast that in my ears. It's so much fun. It's unbelievable. You should probably try doing that while you um, you chew gum and take hostages and see how that feels. That could be. It's really just fun. such an interesting, especially a crowded train to put that to, to have that soundtrack going in the thing. It's just it's a blast. Well, I, you know, obviously I say yippee kaye for the first one, hands down, no questions asked. I'm about like half in the middle for the other one. I mean, I think you should see it because it is a remake of a classic and it is a Tony Scott and it's Denzel Washington and John Travolta, all the things we've talked about. Um, you know, I think you, it should be watched, but it, there's no way does it hold a candle to the, to the first one in any sense of the word. Um, but like we said, if, it did, if the first one didn't exist, this is a passable film. So that's my take. That's my take on this remake theme. You guys can do whatever you want with yours. Well, I, f- I feel the same way, but my opinion and not having seen the entire TV movie is that it's skippable. You know, um, 
the TV one. I mean, I kind of wanted to see it for the cast, yeah. you know. But right. uh, I wouldn't say it's skippable. I mean, if you love the, I mean, I don't. I love anything Pelham one two three. That's it. I mean, I it, like nothing compares to the first one, but I still am fascinated by any take on this film because how in how that other one is just so much in my DNA right now. Well, you know what? I mean, it's a hard story to kill. It reminds me of a film that's not on the wheel, which is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. The 1956 thing is a classic. So is the late 70s one. The 78 That's one, a yeah. classic. And also Body Snatchers, the Abel Ferrara film. Yeah, that doesn't it's, suck either. Yeah. yeah. And, and also thinking, Nicole Kidman did one this. too. And, and, Nicole, and the Nicole Kidman one sucked yeah the invasion they gave it a happy sucks. ending it's like the guy the guy who directed that one was the guy who did um Udertag, you know the downfall the hitler movie oh and right yeah apparently they took the movie away from him like reshot it i would love to have seen i'm sure his didn't suck but this nicole kidman was like it's like how can a story that good ever fail and i feel that way about pelham one two three and i'm not saying you know don't wa- ever watch the um, TV one, but it's like I don't think it's in, in the essential level of these two. And I'm, but I'm sure it will work on some level, and I'd like to see Edward James almost, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah. No, it's an interesting take on it. But um, so, all right. Well, um, yeah. So what we'll do is we'll spin the wheel for the next one. Whoever, if it lands on one that you did, you bring. You can bring however you want to compare the two. Not compare the two. Only compare the remake, you know, talk about the remake, whatever you want to do. But uh, Well, before we do that, one quick question. Yeah. Are we, are we each time we spin the wheel, are we voting someone off the podcast? Because we keep losing people. I, just, I don't know, is that like an official <laughs> it's part like of Survivor. the show? I don't know. It's yeah, like you know, Survivor. You know, there is this term in, in, in uh, entertainment called the show must go on, but I don't know. I think, Drew, didn't you drop an axe on your toe one time and still made a podcast? I did. Yeah, the, carp- so, the blood was the blood spot was in the carpet until I tore it out to sell the house. I was. I, was <laughs> I remember. See that? that that's Cleveland. an indelible image. Thank Cleveland. You. And I'm <laughs> so, still doing the show. I've been on in a men's room. You have. Yes, You're right. on the New Jersey yeah. Turnpike. So yeah, yeah, don't hang out the, there anyway. It's not that first week we don't do a cage match. Chris is out. <laughs> we know the commitment. That's right. All right. So Chris is hang in jail. on. All right. So there we go. We got twelve left. Mine was the thirteenth. So we'll spin it. If it lands on one of yours, um, you can bring it next week, okay? Magnificent Seven. Okay. Ghostbusters, right? Oh. <laughs> Who brought that? That's Sean's, right? I brought Ghostbusters. And well, the reason why is because I love the first film. And um, the second film is... Perhaps the most controversial remake in Hollywood history, or the, I wouldn't say controversial, the most hated remake in Hollywood history. It definitely goes up with trouble. like the last trilogy of Star Wars right. as being absolutely hated. You know, and I will say it's I'm going to have to watch it because Debbie and I got you know when I used to get the Blu-ray deal from Netflix, got the Blu-ray. We were watching it as late, and we were tired, and we stopped watching it. And then, like, the next day, do you want to watch it again? Nah, let's just send the Blu-ray back. Debbie was like, so. And we did. All right, so we're, we're not talking about the Reitman version. The Reitman, we're talking about. No, no, about no, the, we're talking the girl. Uh, you're talking the Afterlife. Yeah. No, we're you're not talking that. Who directed the remake with the, the women? Who's that? Paul Feig. Paul Feig, yeah. yeah. Paul Feig really uh, is full of himself, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, was so, so, it was so it was so hilarious. Too. Just <laughs> so right. funny. So there we go, Ghostbusters next week. So if Sean, anyone else wants to talk about any of the other ones, you know, because you know, I think listen, we should feel free. The wheel again. Afterlife again, yet. Ghostbusters the original is such a beloved. I mean, you know, again, how do you remake that one? And they tried, and we'll talk about it. Right? Yeah, that had very delicate chemistry between the elements of the film, and and and, and it was funny. Yeah. 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 So let's make sure we call that out. All right. It yeah, was, but it'll be interesting to see what genre you consider these films. I'm sorry, I don't think confronting the paranormal uh is a laughing matter, John. <laughs> he slung me places. He slung me. <laughs> All right, well there you go. So That's next week Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ghostbusters. All right. Who are you so, gonna call if you're watching this podcast? 
ghost hit the, hit the, the button there. That button. Yeah. Um, slam it. Slam it. All right. Uh, let's do a roundup. What'd you watch? Now, Wait, I know before, Chris isn't here. Go ahead. What? Before we do that, um, Did somebody I want to say, I wanna say uh, two things. One is I heard that Netflix is shutting down their DVD-only service uh, this fall. Oh, sorry to hear that. I haven't subscribed to that for a long time, but it actually made me really sad because there's so many movies that are on disc that are not on streaming and will never be on streaming. And I guess they're just going to take all those discs and sell them or throw them in the landfill. You, wait, you, you can still get DVDs from Netflix? Yeah. I didn't you, even know it's that. Called, it's called DVD.com, and it's still the red envelope in the mail. And most of us haven't, oh of course, God. subscribed to that for years. And um, I, I was I held on, and to they're it. also cracking down on the password sharing, right? Yeah. But that 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 happening, and the fact that I felt that way, it reminded me of um, uh, last film show, last week's yeah. episode of Indian Cinemaniacs, that, that these movies are disappearing in this format, although some of them are closer to actually disappearing. And then <laughs> Kelly said, "Well, maybe they'll turn into bracelets," <laughs> and I said, "Well, they're round already, so that could happen." <laughs> And then the other thing I wanted to say, uh, the breaking news from today, um, truly a titan of American entertainment and history and, uh, and pride of, of being an American. Harry Belafonte died today and oh, wow. that was just really an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary man. And I told Kelly, I said, I hope that, you know, the highlight of his life wasn't when he got to chat with me and say hello with my aunt in the restaurant in New York. I hope he had more fun doing other things, but that was pretty special for me to be able to say that I actually shook Harry Belafonte's hand because he was really an amazing, extraordinary man. And even the interviews you see from just the past few years talking about his life and what he had done and his choices that he made, he was really just, just incredible. So that was, you know, we talk about people dying every week, but this guy was really yeah, that's amazing. like one yeah, of look into uh, what the downfall of the Smothers Brothers was something they did with Harry Belafonte. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, real controversial. Was that, was that remake remade as Downfall, the Hitler movie by the director of Invasion? <laughs> not, not quite. I've only seen but the it remake. Was, then. It was big back. When you know, I was thinking about Harry Belafonte because when I did a previous, what would you watch? You know, a very obscure film called the starring Zero Marcel called The Angel Levine, where right. Harry Belafonte played the Angel Levine, the black Jewish angel. And um, to me, it's one of the weirdest films I ever seen. I know on my blog one day, hopefully I'll do a really deep dive in it, comparing it to the original story and the kind of odd choices they made. And it's a film I can't widely recommend to everyone, but. You know, I, I found it fascinating. And also, what was it? The, the flesh, the world, and the devil, where um, he there's three survivors of a nuclear war. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. City. And he's like, I forgot who's an Inger Stevens, who the woman is. Yeah, Inger but, Stevens, isn't it? Yeah. And they're like, um, they're going to get romantically involved, even though they're black and white. And then it, a white guy shows up, and the Harry Biafonte character sort of like, starts bowing out automatically from the attentions of the girl, you know, which is kind of, you know, a fascinating um, thing. But I remember seeing that film when I was very young and really enjoying that one too. And well, our young, our, our younger audience members will know him from Beetlejuice with the, uh, Yep. Deo song that was featured yeah, sure. in that movie. That's Harry Belafonte too. So, and our younger audience members that have had uh, the misfortune of seeing the film may know him from White Man's Burden, starring John Travolta. Oh, yeah, classic, truly a classic. Bad, another classic. Travolta. Yeah, yeah, that All was right. before his comeback. No, that Rest was right peace. after it, wasn't it? I don't know. Rest in peace, Harry Belafonte. Yes. Yeah. All right, Drew. What'd you watch this week? Well, I'm hoping that next week I'll have one or maybe even two movies I'll have seen in the theater to talk about. But uh, this week was uh, two things I saw on the TV uh, screen. One was Alex Bornstein, who we know as Miss Swan from Mad TV and the voice of Lois Griffin, and just wrapping up the last season of The Adventures of uh, Mrs. Meisel. She has a, I guess it's a comedy special that's on Prime. She called it her um, uh, perverse TED Talk. And it's kind of um, a little bit of one woman show, a little bit of stand up, a little bit of singing, uh, talking about her um, age and her place in the industry and her divorce and finding herself again. And uh, it's really funny and it's really filthy. And her parents are in the audience and she keeps saying terrible things and then thanking them for coming. And uh, I don't know if you're a fan of hers, but um, 
She's wonderful, and it's a really fun show. It's called Alex Bornstein Corsets and Clown Suits. In the first five, ten minutes, I was like, really? Are we going to do that? But it found its way, and I really kind of enjoyed it. And the other thing that I've been watching, there have only been uh, four episodes so far. I don't know if it'll be eight or ten. But it's the third season of the show Dave, which is on FX, um, about um, basically the rapper uh, Dave Bird, Little Dicky, has been doing this show now for three seasons. It's about a fictionalized version of himself. And it's very FX. It's cut from the same cloth as the network that gave you Atlanta and things like that. So it's very smart. It's very funny. Um, it's a lot of really uncomfortable, weird stuff. Uh, a lot of gorgeous people. And there's really not much like, like Lil Dicky on television. And the, the, the tension between Lil Dicky, the rapper, and, um, and Dave Bird playing this version of himself. That show is so satisfying and so fun. So I recommend that you check it out. And it's the same network that gave you great stuff like, you know, what we do in the shadows and, and other, and Louie and all these other great things. So if you have not seen Dave, start at the beginning because it's very, very funny and very satisfying. All right. Uh, Sean. Okay. Well, I'm always doing my cross generational thing. Um, we had the grandkids over um, Friday night and I tried to get them to watch them. The giant ant, oh. 1955, and we were doing other things. We were teaching the kids to play poker as well. You know, Texas. Oh Hulk. wow, that's a so um, that, that, a thing. that's that's very important. Yeah, and um, they're one. Of, they're actually pretty good at it. And um, they, it, you know, for a black and white film, it attracted their attention the beginning because it opens with like a seven-year-old girl wandering through the desert in catatonic, and it caught them. But they, you know, they didn't stay with the movie. So today, one of my granddaughters was sick. She was over our house. Debbie was feeling not feeling well, so she was sleeping. And she's like, Grandpa, do you want to watch one of my shows? And I'm like, okay, it's on Netflix, Powder Puff Girls. Oh, and now I watch a lot of kids' shows. Like, everyone goes through their Paw Patrol thing, which is kind of like icky, like, you know, nothing in it, kind of controversial or Mad, you know, Blaze and the Monster Machines, you know, all those kind of shows are like Mickey's Fun House, you know, and they're all stuff inside. I watch it. I'm like, oh, God, why did they grow up with Warner Brother cartoons? So but to me, I really kind of enjoyed this. You know, it's like three seasons and they're all 20 minutes long and it's on Netflix. And I actually kind of enjoyed them. I think there was a lot of adult. It was like the rating was um, seven plus, you know, and um it was like kind of it was it was like a spoof. It was almost like adult spin without the raunchy adult spin stuff. You know what I mean? It was sort of like spoofing shows, and you know it had like a narrator that sounded like he was from doing Superman in the nineteen fifties. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, and they they like had this, you know, this mayor that's kind of like the guy from from um, Monopoly. And he has this assistant. I mean, the women are all like outrageously buxom, like you can't do, so you know it's a spoof. And like the one guy's assist, he the mayor is short, and his assistant's really tall, and, like really buxom, and you never see her head. You know, she's always her head's always out of frame. And it's like they do all you know, it's like it's like this stuff, you know, the kids aren't necessarily well, my granddaughter's like, you'll never see her head. But it's like you don't know why. <laughs> They're just you know, they're spoofing that, you know, you're just seeing her breast, you know, in it. So it is, I was oddly entertained by the episodes of um, Powerpuff, Powerpuff Girls. Powder we were watching. Is these Powder three girls or Powerpuff? Powerpuff. Pow, power. Because no they're D. superheroes. Yes, no D, ironically. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it's this, this um, scientist who makes them. He was making them of, of sugar and spice and everything nice and pouring them into a thing. And accidentally poured in chemical X so that when the girls appeared, they all had superpowers, you know, so they're like, I don't think I'll ever watch that, but thank you. Yeah. You'll probably not know one watching this. I know. I've seen it. It it does like something for movie strange. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Is that it? Anything else? No, no, that's enough. All right, John. Um, so I, um, all the episodes of the Mandalorian dropped the third season of the Mandalorian. So I, I finished watching that. That studio that produces those shows, they've got something great with the Mandalorian, and they just 
I don't know what they're thinking is it's bait and switch. They take a great character and put him in the background. They it's lazy script writing. It became every episode was a quest for something and it, it kind of took away from the overall theme of it. And I love baby, your baby Yoda. His name is Grogu, but baby Yoda, but there's a fight scene with three Praetorian guards with lightsabers and they're going after little baby Grogo. And all he's doing is flipping up on a chandelier up above. It just, I don't, I I don't know what they're doing to star Wars. It (laughs) breaks my heart because talking about, he forced pushed them a bunch of times. He didn't just flip around. Did you see it, Drew? Yeah. Oh my God. It was just so, I I don't know what they're doing. I just Mm -hmm. can't figure it out. They, They've got a great show, the first season especially. But I, I, I just, it's very disappointing. And they, they made this big announcement of future Star Wars films. And I have no faith in these people whatsoever, other than the animated stuff that they're doing, which is fantastic. Um, it just, it just for someone like me, it just, in fact, I'm going to see the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi in the movie theaters on May 1st. But you fun. won't be seeing yeah. the one you saw forty years ago. No, I'm, no, no, I won't. But I have it. I have it on a, a laser disc. Um, but it's just, it just <laughs> breaks, it breaks my heart to see what they're doing for something that I love so much. But anyway, so that's what I watched. I watched all of them. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That that's no, you're not. Really you're not. not. You don't I care. Care less. I know you don't. I can care less. Grow up. Watch you, something. Adult. You don't like Harry. Uh, I don't. All right. So I actually watched an adult documentary, and well, I'm, adult. I'm not a reader. So this is somebody I had never heard of until uh, Marie and I watched this documentary. It's called Judy Bloom Forever. And Judy yeah. Bloom is a, uh, Sean probably knows, Drew probably knows. She's a writer yeah. from the start in the 50s, a suburban housewife who started writing for, chi- for kids, for adolescents, for middle yeah. school kids. One of, a book. big movie just came out. There's a movie out now, right. Um, her first uh, book, I think, is called Hey God, It's Me, Margaret. Oh, I've heard, heard of that. I've heard and, of that. And, and really what happened is she got, Okay, so she, she goes through the 50s, 60s, and 70s. She's a housewife in the 50s and 60s, suburban. Starts writing these books, puts them out in the 70s. Huge hits. Uh, kids love them because she's talking about masturbation. You're talking about what I women, grew up on. You guys And women so having periods and very honest conversations. She's getting letters that are going back and forth to her from kids who have lifelong letters that he's, he's wrote. Reagan comes in in the 80s. And now it's banning all her books. Her books are taken out of you know high, libraries, and all this stuff is going on. And it's just a really interesting. She's like eighty six now, eighty three. I don't know. She's still alive. Uh, it's a fascinating story about someone who uh, got married very young. Uh, like I said, grew up in the fifties. I think she was married in the sixties. Became uh, hugely popular in the in the seventies, writing these books, and she's still writing and has a. Now she owns a bookstore in Key West. Her and her new, her her latest husband, her last husband, so I guess, um, bought a place well, in Key West. You never know. She's still eighty six. Yeah, but this is her lifelong love. I mean, this is her guy, and they have a bookstore in Key West. You can go visit, and uh, you know, she curates books and has all her books there. But I guess she has a huge following of people who started as an adolescent who still write to her and still, um, you know, uh, uh, idolize her. Basically, what's this? And, what's this stock on? It's on uh, Prime. It's called Judy Bloom Forever. Strange that it's coming out now just when her, the movie. Gee, isn't that up. strange? That's wild that they yeah. would do that. It's amazing. What timing? Um, anyway, it's a good doc. And it's a fascinating story that I, I knew nothing about. Um, like I said, not a big reader, and especially not as a middle school kid reading these things. So They weren't uh, for you. They were, well, they, I think they weren't, but she, she had a lot of men on this doc talking about, it, talking about her, too. Um, so she wrote all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that was why you know, growing up reading her her books about super fudge and things like that, and then you discover later, oh, she also wrote some pretty adult stuff. It was like discovering that the guy who wrote um, the BFG also wrote My Uncle Oswald about stealing the semen of all the Nobel Prize uh, winners in history. So yeah. you know, it's it's I like, guess oh, these these writers are real people who write different things for different audiences, and it's fun to discover that it's confusing if you discover it and you're still 11 but yeah. you know it's it's kind of neat. she's she's an extraordinary extraordinary person i haven't she, watched that movie yet but kelly watched it and said that she's just she's a firecracker and it's yeah. really entertaining you know i guess her adult book the first one was called wifey you know all of mm-hmm. woman uh, oh i remember when that came out yeah and there's a it. great clip of her having a debate with pat buchanan <laughs> it's yep. just 
stunning. Anyway, so that was and mine. he's still around, too. Yeah, he is. It's amazing. All right, so there you go. Next week, we do Ghostbusters. The tw- I think that came out in 2016, right? If I recall. Yeah. Okay. Very funny. If you one. like this film, if you don't like this film, you're a Trump voter. <laughs> That's what the stars were saying on Twitter. Yeah. If this was the first film that I remember where they were baiting the audience. You yeah, know, well, that they that's were right. like the director attacking. came out before that. And if well, you don't also like in the film, in yeah. the film, they yeah. they call out those people. No, yeah, no, but I mean, they were saying if you don't like this film, yeah. you're a misogynist. Right. It's like, no, right. the film just sucks. Right. right. I mean, I was willing to give it an equal shot. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say this next week. To me, that didn't destroy the franchise. It was the second one that destroyed it. I thought you ever listen to him too. talk about this film? You ever listen to that guy? Yeah. Paul Feig. It's like, what a blowhard. How can he even think that, that what he's saying with his suit and all the shit he does when he's directing? Come on, man. And he, well, he directed Bridesmaid. So he came off that. Yeah. Which you was know, a that great was, movie. That, that was, was lightning a in a bottle. Movie. That was yeah. lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Hilarious. Uh, movie. Melissa McCarthy. I yeah. think that was our first like introduction to her. Lightning oh, in a bottle. He he, no, he's, she's no. The, the guy that plays the FBI agent in Bridesmaids. He's, she's married to. Right. Oh, okay. He's the I one doing the commercial with her now, right. the Airbnb yeah. commercial. That's her husband. Mm-hmm. And they try to do movies together that he directs and she stars in, and they always flop. I don't know what the deal is there. <laughs> yeah. But if you listen also, to Paul Feig, you're like, oh. Comedy suck now. Yeah. So. Anyway. All right. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Let's not, let's not blow it all right now. If, okay? if we can all make it next week, we don't never know. Yeah, yeah, who will show fall by the way, so. Maybe we'll have more. Maybe we'll I have mean, with more. Ghostbusters 2016 being on the plate, I, I don't know if I'll be able to make it. I might get sick. We'll have to see. Right, well, <laughs> I'll be here. Someone has to record this. Something strange in the neighborhood. <laughs> All right. Have a good week. Stay safe. Please, Sean, please get Debbie better. Do whatever she needs from you. Okay? Okay? Okay. Not everybody. Have a good week. See you guys. I'll see you. Bye.